We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other side of the speaker. Appreciate you tuning in. Appreciate you being here. Appreciate you listening in. Come on down. Have a seat right up in the front row. I mean, it's Striking Gold. Everybody gets a front row seat. Nobody in front of you. Nobody annoying. You don't, you don't happen to have the tallest person in the stadium, sitting right in front of you. You know, that doesn't happen here. Everybody's got a front row seat. Sit down. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. If you don't know what Prize Picks is, how do you not know what Prize Picks is by now? If you don't know what Prize Picks is by now, not only are you living under a rock, but it's daily fantasy sports. You're getting on there, you're picking your sports, and and when it comes to the, the sports that Prize Picks offers, I mean, it gets wild. You've got NBA, MLB, I mean, they got like League of Legends and Counter-Strike and darts, tennis, like soccer. You can go ham, go wild on prize picks. But in the end, it's daily fantasy sports. You're picking two to six players within all of these sports, and you're picking more or less. You know, when we were in the football realm, it was receiving yards, passing yards, attempts, completions, tackles, catches, all that good stuff. Pick more or less for each one of them. You can get risky with some demon plays. You can get some. Uh, you can you know you can scale it back with some goblin plays and uh, and just watch the winnings roll in. It's a great time. Your boy did not do a lot of watching the winnings roll in. I had some wins. I had some wins, but I, it certainly wasn't a great ratio. But that's okay. If you want to get up in it, no matter what your sport is, I'm really hoping they do F1 because that that could be dangerous for me. We'll see. Not there yet. If you want to get on the action, you're going to go to prizepicks.com slash gold and use the promo code gold as well. Prizepicks.com slash code gold, promo code gold. And uh, what they're going to do is they're going to match your first deposit 
sorry, I had to clear my throat, of up to $100. So you put in $100, you're going to have $200 in your account. So get on it, get a, bit, get a part, of, be a part of the Prize Picks action. Daily fantasy sports made easy. And here we are. How is everybody? How are you doing? How is everybody recovering from what seems like three very recent Super Bowl losses for the 49ers? I know, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to remind y'all of of what the outcome was, but it was what it is. I combined like was and is there. It is what it is. It was what it was. Speaking of is what it is, right before I hit record today, which is a Sunday afternoon, I was enjoying the fine delicacy that is the cool ranch variety of Doritos. And I was thinking to myself, I had this conversation with a friend, a gaming friend, not too long ago. Is is Doritos cool ranch, like the greatest chip of all time? And, and, you know, I understand that there's probably some serious chip connoisseurs out there, some people that just reach way, way down into the chip barrel and can pull out a brand that's just absolutely incredible that you can only find at, like, a specific gas station in San Jose, you know, something like that. And I would respect that 100%. But in terms of the, you know, the mass appeal and the, the dominance of a chip market, Cool Ranch has got to be way, way, way up there. You know, it's it's got to be right. It's just there. There's probably not a more recognizable bag slash even the chip is recognizable with its little red and blue and green specks or whatever they are. So you know, I mean, if if I were to find my greatest chip, I think it would probably be somewhere something kettle related. I love kettle chips. You know, I love that crunchy kettleness action. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily be sure which ones I like the best. You can never go wrong with like some barbecue kettle shit, kettle chips. We're talking about like the greatest. You know what I mean? Speaking of greatest, um, I think for some reason, not too long ago, I, I I entered into like a gummy bear kick. I all of a sudden was like wanting gummy bears, and I was like, I need to have some gummy bears. And so I ordered some, uh, I can't remember what the, the gold, the gold gummy bear brand is. I can't remember what it's called. Gummy bear gold. What's that? I'm looking, getting you the name. Boop, 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 boop. Uh, Har- Harbo, Harbo. Um, I ordered some of those. They're okay. They're okay. But I'm going to tell y'all. Albanese gummy bears. A, B, there, you've probably seen them and just never acknowledged them. Google them. Albanese gummy bears. White bag. Little red stripe on the left. Some of their some of their bags, the stripe's not red. It's like uh, a yellowish green. But these are absolutely immaculate gummy bears. You've got to give them a shot. Albanese gummy bears. You can get them on Amazon. I ordered like two. What, are, what size are these bags right here? Thirties two thirty-two ounce bags. You can get like two thirty-two ounce bags on Amazon for like less than ten bucks. These gummy bears are so good, man. I like them better than the Harbo brand because they're bigger and they're softer and they're just very texturally appealing, if you will. Uh, so I know it's random as hell. And I know we're, we're, we're getting started not with a whole lot of 49ers talk right now, but Albanese gummy bears, give them a shot. If, if, if you find gummy bears appealing, give them a shot. And then as a small bonus for some of you, I see on the bag that they are gluten-free, 
fat-free and low sodium. So and this is, if you hear the crinkling right now, I'm just making sure the bag is closed. And in, um, in elf fashion, it says world's best on the bag. So that must mean that, that in my, within my home, I have the world's best gummy bears. So try them. Albanese gummy bears. Weird name. Great. Absolute great flavor. That should be their slogan right there. Weird name. Great flavor. All right. So uh, today is our 49ers offseason primer. We are going to prepare ourselves for the 49ers offseason and kind of everything that goes into that free agency, the draft, timelines, dates, all that good stuff. We are going to prepare ourselves right now. Kind of like, I mean, like when Gandalf smacked the shit out of uh, Lord Denethor at the top of Minas Tirith, you know, prepare for battle, you know, that's that sort of thing. Um, sorry, that was, I mean, my movie references go deep, okay? And I wouldn't say Lord of the Rings is really that deep, is it? It's like one of the greatest trilogies of all times. Uh, extended versions, please. I always thought that scene was funny. If anybody knows what scene I'm talking about, it's when the, the enemy rolls up to the gates. Also a good movie, Enemy at the Gates. Uh, the enemy rolls up to the gates and... Uh, Lord Denethor finally crawls out of his little throne and uh, walks up to the edge and sees that they're all there and tells everybody like abandon their post. I always thought it was funny because he's at the, like the very top of this huge like spiral city that goes up and he yells, you know, tells everybody to flee for their lives and abandon their posts. And like everybody can hear him. I'm like, what the, does this do? Do they have like some complimentary hidden magical loudspeaker up there? Why does, Everybody in this city hear this guy yelling. That's like a couple hundred feet up in the air. He has no microphone. He has no, you know what I mean? Like how the hell's ever? And then Gandalf smacks the hell out of him because he's an idiot, and he eats tomatoes weird, and uh, and then tells everybody to prepare for battle. So that's what we're doing. We're preparing for the 49ers offseason battle because if there's ever been an offseason where the 49ers just have to pick themselves up and dust themselves off. And try again, as 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 the ladies would say, then like this is it. <laughs> you know, like this is this is a hundred percent the offseason for the 49ers to live by Rocky's creed that, you know, it's not about hard how hard you can hit. It's about hard how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. And how how much you can fumble a sentence and keep moving forward. That should be my like motto here at striking gold. It's not how how fast you can talk. It's how many sentences you can fumble and keep moving forward. I shouldn't even use the word fumble right now. That's probably a sore subject. Anyways. So we're preparing ourselves, like Gandalf said. 49ers offseason primer. Right off the get, just one of the cool things that I'd like to remind you, just to throw a little bit of positivity your way, is this is the first normal offseason that Brock Purdy is going to have with the 49ers. Which, to me... Is a good thing. Is a good thing. I mean, two off seasons ago, he was a rookie, um, getting third string reps behind Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. Am I getting that right? Or maybe it wasn't Jimmy Garoppolo yet. Nate Sudfeld. Yeah, it was like Trey Lance, Nate Sudfeld, and then Brock Purdy, and then Jimmy Garoppolo was recovering, and then and the Forty ers kept Jimmy Garoppolo and added him into the mix and. So yeah, that was a weird offseason for Brock Purdy. And then 
last offseason, obviously, he spent most of it recovering from his uh, his elbow surgery. And then he got to throw himself into the mix. He was on like two day, one day on, two days off for a while. Then it was every other day and all that good stuff. So, uh, and this is Purdy's first normal offseason as, you know, and as the bona fide starter that's going to get probably 80% of the reps in training camp. And, uh, I mean, that's a pretty wonderful thing given, you know, he can continue to work on his chemistry with everybody. He can continue to build his confidence in Shanahan's offense. And, you know, if if you want to really know what the NFL thinks of Purdy, go to Steve uh, Spagnuolo, the Chiefs defensive coordinator, Spags, as we call him. He has since, I mean, it's been easy for him to heap praise on Brock Purdy because they just beat him in the Super Bowl, but beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl, but. He had had has had nothing but continued good things to say. He said he even managed to track down Purdy's cell phone number just to send him a text and let him know how impressed he was with him. Um, and that, I mean, that's a hell of a compliment coming from what might be one of the greatest coordinators in NFL history. I think Spags has won like four Super Bowls now and just universally respected throughout league circles. And so. You know, for him to talk about how Purdy was just immediately able to dice up their defense and they had to switch at halftime and, you know, go into purely man coverage and you know, just the, the skill set that he, he he says Purdy brings to the table and how smart he is and how how well he's able to pick up what a defense is doing. You know, that's cool. And now Purdy gets to go into an offseason and, and prepare in his own way without recovering from an injury, without worrying about reps. He's the guy. And and. And I'm going to pause. I should have led with this, but for the first time in fucking forever, we do not have any form of quarterback controversy going on on the roster. Like, man, like I just pulled a massive weight off my shoulders. (laughs) It always gave us something to talk about, but man, did it get annoying talking about weird quarterback shit for the 49ers. And for the first time in a long time, we don't have to. Now, if you want to get really into who the 49ers should have as their backup behind Purdy, do it, you know, get into it. But you're not going to see that be a significant talking point on striking gold. I'm sorry. Um, Still no word on the 49ers defensive coordinator, um, Mike Silver of the San Francisco Chronicle who is very plugged in with the team, said he thinks that they're going to go internal. The Athletics' Tim Kawakami said his best guesses were uh, the Colts' defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley, and or Jeff's defense, I mean, not and, and can't have both, but or Jets' defensive coordinator, Jeff Ulbrich. Now, the interesting thing about those is they're both already defensive coordinators, which would mean that they would have to, uh, they would have to get permission from the team to essentially release them from their contract and allow them to come to San Francisco. Now, now Jeff Ulbrich has some history with the team. He played for the 49ers. Uh, obviously he's Robert Sala's defensive coordinator and he is the actual defensive coordinator just because Robert Sala is there. Um, Ulbrich is the one running the show for the defense. So I don't know that they would just up and let him leave. You know, maybe he sees the 49ers as kind of like a clearer path toward becoming a head coach. And maybe Robert Sala acknowledges that and lets him go. Um, both of those guys kind of come from the same defensive scheme that the 49ers like to run. So they wouldn't be, you know, kind of like Steve Wilkes in the way of kind of trying, trying to fit a square peg in a round hole, which reminds me of that super funny video. I think it's super funny where that girl is reacting to the guy that just keeps putting every wooden shape into the square hole. And she just like loses her 
her, her breaks down mentally in the video. Anyways, sorry. So, um, you know, that's those are internal. You know, if if the 49ers do go internal with their defensive coordinator, the last podcast we talked about a lot of the options that are on staff. It's a little hard to know which direction the 49ers would go. Um, because there's a lot of people on their staff that would you could easily see them becoming defensive coordinator. Daniel Bullock's the defensive backs coach. I mean, he has 17 years of experience. Obviously, that's another defensive back guy, but I don't I don't know his experience. His experience might not be all defensive backs. You know, you've got um, linebackers coach Johnny Call uh, Johnny Holland, who has 36 years of experience. Uh, you've got Chris Kasurik, who we talked about, defensive line coach, who seems like he is just, he's considered one of, if not the best defensive line coach in the NFL. And he kind of just seems like he's perfectly happy in, in that, you know, in that spot. So, you know, and then another one that got brought up a lot was Nick Sorensen, the defensive passing game specialist, Nichols coach. He's got 21 years of experience. Um, I'd have to dig more in, into him, but if the 49ers do go internal, those it's, it'll, those are the names that it's it seems most likely to become. Um, but I'm not really sure which direction they're going to go. There isn't kind of like an obvious replacement like there was D'Amico Ryan's replacing Robert Sala. So we'll see if they do go internal. I haven't, I, I mean... Obviously, this this defensive coordinator search has been kept pretty well under wraps. We haven't heard any of the national media guys leak anything as far as where, with, who's getting signed, when they're getting signed, where they could be going with it. Um, it's only been um, Mike Silver and Tim Kawakami so far that really had any solid prediction and or guess as to who or where the, the candidate is going to come from. So I'm assuming with the NFL Combine starting next week, I believe, 27th. Yeah, with the NFL Combine starting next week, we're probably, you guys are going to, this pod will be published Monday morning. Um, and there's a chance that by the time you listen to this podcast, they, something's already come out. It seems like it's probably going to happen really soon. Um, and uh, Dre Greenlaw, there was a little bit. Eric Branch um, talked to his name's Dr. Kenneth Young. He he's a, a consultant for the Los Angeles Angeles Rams. Uh, Eric Branch of the San Francisco Chronicle talked to him, and the um, kind of the not prognosis might be the right word. There's a lot of medical terms that I don't want to misuse, but six months was thrown out there as far as when we can expect Dre Greenlaw to kind of get back into the mix, which is, is a little, which is quite a bit less than the nine months. You know, we've been hearing a lot of people say, and maybe that's nine months until you're completely recovered or, or, you know, nine months until you're, you can consider yourself at a hundred percent. But, um, Dr. Jung told Eric branch that they can confidently tell patients that at six months is six months is a reasonable amount of time to come back from a ruptured Achilles. Uh, no absolutes depends on how well the rehab goes, how well he gains his strength back, but six months would be encouraging for the 49ers, encouraging for the 49ers defense, encouraging for Fred Warner, no doubt. Um, that would put Greenlaw returning to the fold right around mid August. I mean, it's mid February, late February right now. 
Um, and, and the NF, the, uh, the NFL regular season starts the first weekend in September. So, I mean, even then let's, let's just push seven months. Maybe he's only missing two or three weeks of the season or, or maybe it takes a lot longer than that, but you know, the sooner that they can get Greenlaw back in the action, obviously the better, um, despite, <laughs> I guess, I mean, it's not that it hasn't been talked about, but losing Greenlaw in that game was, is one of the biggest reasons that game went how it did that nobody's talking about. Obviously, you know, everybody loves to talk about Kyle Shanahan's decision to take the ball to open up overtime or the third and fours, rightfully so, you know, the the Christian McCaffrey, but man, losing like your second or third best player on defense in what was what the second quarter, right? And, And dude, you watch that game. Greenlaw was on fire. Like the way he was playing was just unbelievable. And, you know, it was to, to lose him in that sense. It's just, there's so many different things that go into that. You know what I mean? Just the emotional impact that has on a defense is just, ugh. I mean, it was brutal. And I can't remember who specifically replaced, I think it was Oren Burks that replaced Ray Greenlaw when he went down and the Chiefs absolutely torched him, like flawlessly. So anyways, we don't need to get back into that. Greenlaw, there is a chance that he is back for the start of the regular season with some miraculous, not miraculous, but some very impressive rehabilitation. But maybe he's only missing one, two, three weeks, which the 49ers can deal with. Um, So that would be a good thing. And obviously my biggest you know, off-season storyline is, and we won't know this until the season starts, but can this team pick themselves back up and just do the whole damn thing again? Obviously, they were the number one seed. They're going to get a schedule that was given to the number one seed, you know, and and it's the winner of their division. It's not going to be an easy schedule, and uh, it's going to be a tough road, but, you know, the team is still extremely talented. They're not going to have a whole lot of drop-off this year. They're going to be Taken with them, almost almost the exact same team, um, and and can they can they get over the heartbreak of of the way the last season ended and just move themselves forward? That to me, and you're not really going to know that until you get into the season. But that to me, it's just the human factor that goes into this. This is not just a, a big machine, that big red and gold machine that does what we want it to. You know what I mean? There's, these are a lot of humans on this roster. And, that was an absolutely heartbreaking way to, to lose the Super Bowl. Each one of those players knows that they should have won that game. And frankly, it, 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 if they play that game without the mistakes, uh, it's not even really that close. And they have to go through the offseason knowing that. And, um, you know, they can allow that to eat away at them or they can find that crazy athletic motivation that these guys have and allow it to to, you know, just really turn into some fuel. All right, important off-season dates. Taken from NinersWire.com, Kyle Madsen. I could have found these dates anywhere, but I went to NinersWire.com to get them from the homie Kyle Madsen. Um, so these are just all the important off-season dates. If you want to bust out your cell phone right now and open up your calendar app and add these in there as we go, you can. That way you are always up to date as to what is coming up next and all the off-season dates. So one that's already passed was February 20th, which was the deadline to, or which was, which allowed teams to begin 
applying franchise tags, not really something the 49ers are going to have to worry about. February 27th through March 4th, that's next week, uh, is the start of the NFL Combine. And maybe, I mean, I used to watch the NFL Combine like a hawk, man. Like I would watch every day of it. And maybe it was because I, I wasn't working at the time, you know, or I didn't have, I wasn't a full, I wasn't a teacher, you know, yet. So, but man, maybe I'll, maybe I'll just put the NFL combine on in the classroom, you know, anything to, to, to get the students even slightly distracted. They could have some offensive linemen running around, falling on the fall and doing their 40 yard dash with their junk. Yeah. That's a great, you know, their junk flopping out, which, Hey, it's all happened. You know, that's, that's definitely what you should have on in the classroom, Robert. Good call. Um, so next week, NFL combine 49ers typically start there wheeling and dealing at the combine. All the, you know, per team personnel are all there. We'll see. I don't know if the 49ers have that much wheeling and dealing to do, but they do have players on their roster that cost a lot. They're right up against the salary cap. We'll see. Um, the team has a first round pick for the first time since 2021 when they moved up for Lance. So, uh, you know, they, there are, prospects there that they are obviously going to be interested in and that they need to get eyes on. And the 49ers will be there, whether or not it's, I don't think Kyle Shanahan will be there. John Lynch, John Lynch will probably be there. Um, the, the team will be there, but I mean, it's just moving right along. You know, when it's weird when a team, you know, like the 49ers pushes so deep into the off season, it seems like right when you turn around, the NFL combines here, um, March 2nd, one I threw in here, the 2024 Formula One season begins over there in Bahrain. Get ready to see some Red Bull Max Verstappen dominance. I mean, uh, my brother made me a, a Red Bull fan. I used to play as Max Verstappen whenever I used to play the Formula One video game. Uh, it, I remember playing the Formula One video game and Max hadn't even made it into Formula One yet. And it was like Formula Three or whatever it was. And you, it was like a career mode. And I remember picking Max just because his name was cool. Well, my brother is a big, he's been following Max the entire time too. He's a huge Red Bull fan. And uh, when I started watching it more religiously, obviously I just followed along with him. And man, it's been cool to, uh, it's been cool to see him dominate the way he is. I think a lot of people don't quite understand how cool it is or just how rare it is, you know, I guess I say that. And then, but Lewis Hamilton just got done doing the same thing. And Max Verstappen kind of dethroned him. So anyways, 2024 F1 season begins on March 2nd in Bahrain. Check it out. If you're down to wake up at like 5 a.m. on a Sunday all the time, March 5th, the franchise tag window closes, uh, March 11th, uh, your favorite term that just sounds illegal, like something adults aren't allowed to do, uh, legal tampering. It's when teams can start talking to pending free agents and start agreeing to deals. And that's when you'll start seeing, you know, the national guys say, you know, this person is poised to head to this person on a three-year deal, all that stuff. Um, And then obviously free agency officially begins on the 13th and all the legal tampering can become legal and uh, can become deals. Such a weird term, legal tampering. Don't like it. Don't like it, guys. Don't like it, gals. Um, the March 24th through the 27th are the annual league meetings. That's when you see all the fancy pictures of everybody just sitting there looking weird and their awkward fits. Uh, April 15th, the off season workout programs can begin and any team with a new head coach can begin. I think like a week prior to that. 
April 17th is the last day to have prospects out to visit your facility for draft visits. April 19th is the last day for teams to offer restricted free agents, which is Juwan Jennings. And we will talk about that in a little bit. So if a team is going to, to, uh, to sign Juwan Jennings to an offer sheet or to, to, you know, to make one known, that's the last day to do it. Um, April 24th, the last day to contact draft prospects and the last day for the 49ers to match or do decline to match any offer sheets that might have been given to Juwan Jennings. April 25th through the 27th is the NFL draft, which is exciting, always exciting. May 2nd is the last day to declare 2021 first rounders, fifth year options, which is Trey Lance, so the 49ers don't need to worry about it. Positional needs for the 49ers. Positional needs. What do they need? What do they need on the roster? In your mind, you can yell it out loud. It's okay. I won't hear you, but we can pretend like I will. What are the positions that the 49ers need right now in order to make another push for the Super Bowl? Where are the weak points of the roster? Now, of course, you always have those people that are like, don't draft need draft best player available. Well, this also applies to free agency, so relax, Tim. Um, and everybody always says that, but especially in the early rounds when you're planning on having a player immediately contribute, um, teams constantly draft for need, which isn't which isn't bad because a lot of times a prospect will line up with your need. Like what you don't want to do is fantastically reach just because you feel like you need that position. You don't want to do that. But a lot of times there will be a prospect there that just happens to, you know, their draft stock happens to align with your pick and your need. So I don't know. I just think, I just think the best player available kind of gets overblown, you know, especially if you like to pick holes in it and be like facetious about it. And you're like, well, what if a team's best player available every year just happens to be a left tackle? And, oh, we have to draft best player available, guys. And they just keep taking left tackle over and over and over. You know what I mean? So it's not this flawless, always take best player available approach. You you weigh your roster needs. You weigh your big board. And you see who's there when it comes up. And if you can press the button on a position that you just happen to need, you do it. And But if it's too much of a reach, then you certainly don't do it. That, then, then you're passing up way too many good players. So the positional needs that I put down here, the most obvious one is is offensive line. You know, you've got Trent Williams, then you've got Aaron Banks, and then you've got Jake Brendel. That's solidified. And then when you get on the right side of things, you had John Feliciano, who ended up being a very solid uh, starter for the 49ers throughout the year, who replaced Spencer Burford, who was okay, uh, you know, for a fourth-rounder rookie last year, just stepping in and being serviceable. That was different doesn't happen often. Um, Spencer Burford was the one that had to go in for John Feliciano and missed him. You, yeah. Okay. Um, and then you've got obviously Colton McKivitz at right tackle. Who's not great. And I think I saw somewhere that he allowed like 11 sacks throughout the season. That's bad. Not good. So you've got a right guard, a need at right guard and a need at right tackle, you know, and maybe you draft a right tackle and Colton McKivitz kicks in time to play right guard. Could you work with that? Maybe. Maybe you could. Could you draft a right, a solid right tackle? 
and or excuse me, a right guard and then keep McKivitz there, you could. You know, it just depends on which way the 49ers want to go with it. And maybe they draft multiple offensive linemen. And maybe they sign one in free agency. Maybe they re-sign Colton or excuse me, John Feliciano, plug him in at right guard, and then draft a replacement right tackle for Colton McKivitz in the first round. You know, the the uh, this is a great class for offensive linemen. I've been reading that, seeing that reported constantly. So it's a good time for the 49ers to need an offensive lineman. Now, to me, right behind that is defensive line, and I don't really feel like it's getting as much talk as it should. You know, the 49ers defensive line obviously started to struggle against the run late in the season. Things kind of wore down over time. They only have six defensive line under contract, and only three of those are kind of like bona fide starters. You've got the obvious Nick Bosa. You've got Eric Armstead. You've got Javon Hargrave. Uh, who knows what Drake Jackson's ability level? You know, he's he was moved to IR with an injury, but you know, he seemed like he was already kind of he started off the season fantastic and then seemed like he just fell off in terms of ability and production. So we'll see where that you've got rookie Robert Beal, well, second year player Robert Beal Jr. and Kalia Davis, who still kind of recovering from an injury. Who knows what you're going to get from him. So, I mean, if the 49ers are going to keep to their identity, they need defensive linemen and they need edge rushers and they need them bad because basically all you've got is Nick Bosa, Jamon Hargrave, Eric Armstead, and who knows what after that. And yes, I'm including Drake Jackson in the who knows what. Seems like he could be great, but that just hasn't materialized yet. And uh, it's not like the 49ers can, can wait around. So whether it comes to free agency or whether it comes to the draft, expect the 49ers to to really augment that defensive line with either some starting talent. I mean, nobody saw the Javon Hargrave signing coming last year. They're not really going to have that amount of money to, to throw around this year uh, unless they make some significant moves. But defensive line to me is, is a big need. If the team wants to really cling to that identity that, you know, that it all starts up front. I had I had edge rusher on here, and to me, depending on how things unfold, wide receiver could be a significant need. I mean, what if the 49ers just – and this – I wouldn't necessarily agree with this line of thinking, but what if the 49ers decide not to keep Juwan Jennings around? Maybe another team – we'll talk about that in a little bit. I, I have I have the breakdown. We'll just do it right now, actually. So with Juwan Jennings, uh, and this is also courtesy of Kyle Madsen on Niners Wire. He wrote a great article breaking down all the things that they could do with Juwan Jennings. Um, they could sign him to what's called an original round tender. It costs three point one million, which is not not a lot for a player of his of his impact. And a team could sign him away from the 49ers, but they'd have to give the 49ers an original round pick. With Juwan Jennings was drafted in the seventh round, so they'd have to they'd be able to sign Juwan Jennings away from the 49ers, and they'd have to give the 49ers a seventh round pick. And I believe the 49ers would have a right to match any offer that's given to him uh, as part of this tender. Um, you have a second round tender where the 49ers are going to pay Juwan Jennings $6.8 million. This seems like, I think Madsen had this in his article too, this seems like the one that they'll probably give the most thought. And basically you're paying Juwan Jennings a hefty $6.8 million. It's not cheap, but it's, it's, it's palatable for the team. And it's a second round tender. So if the 40, if a team wants to offer Juwan Jennings a contract and he wants to accept it and the 49ers don't want to match whatever that contract is, it would give the 49ers that team's second round pick. A first round tender, same process, $7.3 million. Or 
as Manson mentioned in his article, they could just sign him to an extension. They could just say, hey, we'll give you this two-year deal uh, with incentives up to $10 million a year. You know, maybe it's a $5 million base, which saves them money on both the tenders uh, with a hefty amount of incentives that can push it up to maybe eight, you know, something like that. Um, that's Those are the scenarios that they're going to have to approach with Juwan Jennings. But the, back to my roster needs, what if they decide they, they, they don't want to invest in Jennings? Which seems weird considering how much he brings to the team, both playmaking and just, I mean, he was like the 49ers best receiver in the Super Bowl. And playmaking, attitude, the way he blocks in the run game, he's just a huge cog in that machine. Wouldn't surprise me if the 49ers, you know, really value what he brings to the table. But let's say they don't. They will opt to let him walk, and they just can't reach an extension. Brandon Ayuk, he doesn't want to stay here. The 49ers don't want to pay him $25 million a year, which is what he's seeking. You know, something like that. I'm not saying that this is going to happen at all. Um, but then all of a sudden you're losing Ayuk and you're losing Jennings and it's just Debo standing out there going, Hey, what the hell? Danny Gray. You know what I mean? Like they're eh. So depending on how the 49ers want to attack that position, wide receiver could definitely be a draft need. Cornerback still seems like a draft need. And it still seems like the 49ers are overdue to just take, I mean, they could take a corner in the first round and I, I wouldn't bat an eye. You know, because then you've got Chavarius Ward. You've got a first round corner on the opposite side, presumably. Um, or maybe you take a second round corner and it's a nickel guy. And then you kick the Amador Lenore outside and then bam, you're you're cooking with grease. So I think offensive line, defensive line, including edge rusher, cornerback and possibly wide receiver are probably the team's biggest needs. I know I just listed off like half the positions on the football field, but hey, at least quarterback ain't one of them. Anyways, salary cap news, the, the the salary cap jumped up big time to over $250 million. Now, just for context, that is like the biggest salary cap jump like uh, ever. I mean, on this on this article, they went back to 2011, salary cap, $120 million. Uh, 2012, salary cap, $120 million. 2013, $123 million. 2014, $133 million, went up $10 million. Next year, went up another 10. Next year, went up another 12. Next year, went up another 12. Next year, 10. Uh, now we're up to 2019, 188 million. 2020, 198, went up 10. Then it then it goes down the COVID year. The salary cap goes down. Whoops, computer went to sleep. That makes me nervous. It's like I'm sitting here recording a pod and all my screens go black. I hate it. Um uh, COVID year. So the salary cap actually goes down from 198 to 182 million. You can remember all of us talking about how the 49ers were going to find a way to make that work. And then it jumps all the way back to 208 million. So that's a $26 million increase. If my, my math is right. Yes, it is. Um, and then from 22 to 23, it went up. Oh, 16 million from 208 to 224. And now it is going from 2023 to 2024. It is going from 224 million to 255 million. That is an increase of 31 million dollars. So um, that really opens things up. Take some of the heat off the 49ers if they do want to keep Brandon Ayuk. Um, we'll have to dissect that Brandon Ayuk situation more. I mean, I think the guy, I mean, his, his fifth year options, like 
14, 15 million dollars, isn't it? Let me see. I got over the cap open right here. Let's go take a look. What do we got in over the cap right here? Um, Brandon Ayuk, where are you? 14 million. Yeah, I was right. So, I mean, that's a lot of money. So, does Brandon Ayuk hold down and not play on, on the fifth year option? Uh, I know that gets kind of messy. He could. Players have done it in the past, but I mean, playing for 14 million is not the worst thing. It's, I mean, if we go look, let's click on Brandon Ayuk. Um, he made his cap number in 2020 was 2.2 million. Then it was 2.8 million. Then it was 3.4 billion. Then it was 3.9 million. So Ayuk would be playing for more than he's made in his entire career. So three. Yeah. So combined. So, it, you know, I don't, I don't know how he's going to handle that. I don't know where that, how he feels and where that goes. So many weird things posted on social media, fucking social media. God. So, Big jump up in the salary cap. The 49ers have more space. They've already released cornerback Isaiah Oliver, which clears up a little more space. Right now, over the cap has them has them at five million dollars over the salary cap. Um, I thought I read by from multiple people that the boost put them under it, but I don't know. It, you know, they'll work that out. There's definitely. I mean, if you look at the cap numbers for this coming year, Trent Williams, thirty-one million. I mean, you just gotta eat that one. It's Trent Williams. Debo Samuel, almost 29 million. Uh, Eric Armstead, 28 million. Fred Warner, 25 million. George Kittle, 22 million. Traverius Ward, 18 and a half million. Javon Hargrave, 15 and a half million. And you know what's crazy about this salary cap shit? You go to Nick Bosa's contract, and I get it. It's Nick Bosa. His salary cap number last season was 11 million. Uh, This year, it's 14 and a half million. Next year, it's 20 million. And then in 2026, 42 million. <laughs> and then in 2027, 52 million. Now you sign players to an extension that kind of erases this and pushes it down the road and all that good stuff. But just clicking on that and seeing it, I was like, <laughs> so wild, wild. Um, and, and, you know, like we said earlier, so the 49ers have gotten, Got the, they've got their salary cap number set. They're going to have to dance around that for a little bit. They're going to have to do some restructures. Um, I don't know what are, I mean, Armstead at 28 million seems like an obvious, you know, thing, but they've already got a couple void years. At, they've already got three void years at the end of starting next season, you know? So I don't know what they're going to be able to do in the way of Eric Armstead. That seems like an awfully big number. Not that he's not worth it. He's their best interior defensive lineman by far, but We'll see. We'll see where they go with that. Now let's 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 close out with the 49ers list of draft picks, um, for which I also went through NinersWire.com. Uh, Kyle Madsen, you just did a good job of of listing the number of pick and how they got it. You could find the 49ers draft picks anywhere, but Madsen actually bothered to to list how they got that individual pick. Now, to me, the NFL draft. I know we got free agency coming up first, and everybody's going to be talking about that. But the NFL draft has never been more important for the 49ers. You heard me listing everybody's contract number. Um, this is how the 49ers continue to win is through the NFL draft. You're bringing in premier players at bargain prices. And yeah, they're rookies, but you know anything that they, we've seen the 49ers succeed through the draft time and time again. And now is the time to do it. They, you know, with 
all of these great players that the 49ers have acquired, they've, they're trying to pay all of them and, and they've managed to do it so far, but Brock Purdy's contract is coming. If he continues to play at the level he's playing and they're going to need to resign him at some point. And, um, doesn't necessarily have to be soon, but if the 49ers want to maintain their competitiveness, they're going to have to do it through the draft, no doubt. And so the draft has never been more important for the 49ers. This is how they keep their Super Bowl window open. So if anything now, the heat intensifies for John Lynch, who no longer has uh, Adam Peters in the building, and we will find out what his impact was and if there's anybody behind him that can really hold it down. And again, with the draft, it's hard to, it's hard to know who the hell was doing what and who was drafting who. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was in the end of the day, if it was Kyle Shanahan calling the shots, but the draft has never been more important. The 49ers again, have a first round pick for the first time since 2021. And that'll be pick 31. Um, the most heartbreaking pick of the draft pick 31. That's their own selection. You've got round two pick 63. That's their own pick. And you've got round three, pick 94. That's the 49ers' own selection. And then they've got another pick in the third round, pick 98. Um, They got this compensatory pick after uh, Jimmy Garoppolo hit free agency. And then they dealt pick 101 to to trade for defensive end Chase Young. That pick was given to them when Rand Carthon was uh, joined as the Titans' general manager. Um, They also have round four, pick 125. That is from the Trey Lance trade. Then they have pick round four, pick 132. Then they have round five, pick 176, a compensatory pick when Samson Mebacom hit free agency. Um, They traded their own fifth rounder as part of the Christian McCaffrey trade. Round six, pick 214, a comp pick from uh, um, when they acquired, no, excuse me, they dealt their own sixth rounder for uh, Randy Gregory, and this one was awarded to them when Jimmy Ward signed with the Texans. Around six, pick 215 compensatory. Uh, that is the Aziz Alshire compensatory pick. And then round seven from Denver. Uh, that was also part of the Randy Gregory trade, the swap. Round seven, pick 249. That's the 49ers' own pick. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10, 11 picks in the draft. And the 49ers should by then have the salary cap space to cover the draft class. And again, they they need to hit on these picks because that's how they're going to stay under the salary cap yet still have talented players on the roster. So there you have it. There's the 49ers offseason program. We talked, or, you know, the offseason primer, if you will. You know, we talked about some of the storylines Ending the off honoring the offseason, Brock Purdy, uh, Dre Greenlaw, the defensive coordinator. Can the 49ers get themselves back up? Uh, important dates went over those draft picks, positional leads, a uh, informative podcast. If you ask me, I don't know. Hopefully, you guys found it informative. Um, but that's it for me. I need to get out of here and get back to aiding in the continued development of Robert Newton Louder the sixth, aka um, our newborn son. Man, going great though, guys. Just to give you an update. He's healthy. He's doing fine. He's over 13 pounds now. He's over two months old. Everything's been going great. He's starting to sleep for longer stretches, you know, five to six hours, wake up, and then maybe another three on top of that. So things have been going great, just to let you all know. Cute as hell. Like, everybody thinks their own baby's cute. I mean, this guy's cute. He's a cute little baby. And he's starting to do all his little 
baby coos and cons and all these little words and you know, never gets old, never gets old. All right, everybody. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to striking gold. We got to get a mailbag episode coming up soon. Maybe at, at the very latest before the draft, maybe I'll have a guest on. We'll answer uh, some mailbag questions because we don't have takeaway time right now. So we'll have to do at least a couple mailbags during the off season. Uh, anyways, I appreciate you guys. Thank you very much for listening to striking gold. Um, if you want to leave a little bit more support, uh, leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you listen. Um, if you want, you can follow me on Twitter at Rob underscore louder. Don't have a lot of it to tweet about right now, but every now and then I'll fire one off. Um, and again, Albanese gummy bears. Check them out. We're not sponsored. Just like them a lot. Maybe we'll, Hey, Albanese, hit us up. Hit us up. All right. We can, we can work something out. Dragon gold can be, come the home of the Albanese gummy bear. Maybe you can make some red and gold gummy bears. Are you serious? I'm just giving these ideas out, ideas out for free. Like, come on. All right, everybody. Appreciate you. Much love. I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold. We're signing.